welcome to the UOG Men's Rugby Podcast. I am Sam, by the way, and this week I am on my own for the podcast. My co-host Charlie isn't available this week, he's at work. So unfortunately, instead of two Northern voices, you just got my Manchester accent. I mean, for some of you, that might be a good thing to just have one of us. But I mean, you've got my dulcet tones, so who knows? But this week, we have Alex Griffin from UOG Dance joining us. She's quite an inspirational person on Instagram. You you may see her. She's done a lot for charity. She's been through a lot in her years at uni. So we'll be talking to her about everything. But before we get her on, just a quick shout out to Cameron Fogden, going into third year. Um, Cam yesterday did a duathlon for charity, raising just under £400 so far, which basically involves a, a marathon run and a really long cycle. So fair play to Cam. It's not the first time he's done something like this. He did a marathon at the start of lockdown just in one day. just went out and did it. But yeah, he did this duathlon yesterday, did his marathon, did his cycle ride all in 14 hours. Got up at 4am, finished it last night. So fair play to Cam. And yeah, so we'll get Alex on now. So here she is, our guest on today's podcast, Alex. We've had dances last year's CC with Alicia a couple of weeks ago, so now we've got next year's CC. So Alex, do you want to just basically introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, I'm, so I'm Alex. I'm going into third year of uni studying sports coaching and physical education, and I'm the new club captain for the dance team. So if you people don't know, you've had a bit of a difficult time at uni, so you kind of want to explain what's happened and what you've been through in the first few years. So in first year, at the beginning of March, I found a lump in my neck. Um, I FaceTimed my mum, showed her the lump, drew a circle around it, wasn't too bothered about it. She was like, oh, I think you should go see someone. So I um, went to the doctors, they sent me to the hospital, and then it turns out I had stage two Hodgkin's lymphoma. So how old were you when that was happening? What was that like, being diagnosed with something like that at that age? Um, I was 19 at the time. Um, I don't really know. It took. It still doesn't feel like it really happened. It didn't sink in for a long time. Like I when all every single hospital appointment, I didn't cry once. And even when we went, and they said, "Right, this is it. This is what's going to happen." I still didn't cry. I just pretty much sat there, like, mm, "Okay, let's see how this goes." Then. Yeah. So, what kind of treatment did you go through for the lymphoma? I went through six months of chemotherapy called ABVD which is four different drugs um it was 12 treatments and um come the fifth treatment my they I had another pet scan and the cancer had basically gone so then they dropped one of the drugs so I only had three but um my body did not react very well with the treatment like some people are completely fine and I've got I've met a lot of people online who've also had lymphoma and have had the same treatment as me and they've been able to like go out and see friends like all through yeah. their chemo. So how difficult was it to kind of keep yourself pushing through when you had something so difficult as that going on in your life? Um it was quite hard there's a lot of days where I was like said to mum like I just don't want to do this anymore like can they just stop my treatment just let me get better and then I'll start it again when I'm feeling more up to it because it was it was very like draining physically and mentally um I've posted like everything on Instagram and I think that was kind of like a coping mechanism for me because I could write down things to say to like complete strangers rather than have to tell my family because it's not always like a comfortable conversation speaking to your parents about like everything that's going on in your head kind of thing. Yes, how 
was it? To, um, sorry, how supportive were your kind of friends and, and the people you've met at uni in during the tough times? Uni, I felt really bad because, like, obviously, being in my first year, I'd only known all the people at uni for about five, six months, and then I was kind of like, oh, hi, like, you've only known me for half a year, and now I'm springing on you, I've got cancer. Like, it's not kind of something you expect be there for in like the nicest way because you like people don't need that in their lives but all the friends that I did have were very like they've been really good and the dance team especially like I could not have done it without the dance team behind me mm. so, supportive. so how is it how did it affect your studies towards the end of first year and throughout last year um the uni was actually really good I know my nurse has said a lot of colleges and stuff aren't very good when people have to go home but I finished my first year from home I'd done everything online um Ben Morland like anything I needed he would help me with I had extensions put in so and anything if I needed extended further then that was fine as well it was quite accommodating for it so would you be going into, so are you going into actually your third year of uni or is it so would you be graduating at the end of this year yeah yeah going into third year um hopefully actually managed to finish this year because both of <laughs> from home I'm yet to do a full year of uni <laughs> so obviously one of the big side effects of chemotherapy is kind of hair loss and things like that so how did that affect you in your mental mental health and coping with not having the hair there which you've been so used to um I've always always had long hair so losing my hair was very like even when I cut it off to donate to the little princess trust I was like well like who is this and um like I didn't take pictures of me shaving it off or anything because that was like the one thing that I was like, I just want to get it done and pretend it's not happened. Like this wig, love this wig, put it on and I'll take about 20 oh, selfies in a day because I'm like, oh, it's me. As soon as my wig comes off, I'm like, Arter, I hate it. I really, I like not through tough times, which is cancer and things like that so important because like the little, the only downside to the little princess trust is they only do it from like children to I think 21 so any age above that they won't get a free wig and they like this is a real hair one real hair wigs are about like four to five hundred pounds like cheapest so like having a charity like the Little Princess Trust especially with like younger women who like where there's so much pressure on how you look and everything who like really need their hair to mm. feel like they fit in I think it is very important. Do you feel like coming back to uni after your treatment did you feel like you still had to look like a certain way the yeah. typical young woman would it feel at uni was that any was that pressure on you coming back it i it so many times i actually didn't go to lectures because i put my wig on do a bit of makeup and i thought like i look hideous I'm, i can't go out and have people see me I hated it. At first night out, like went in the toilet so many times because my eyebrows fell out and I'd draw them on and they were just completely awful because I had no like shape about them. And I had to remember like not to rub my face because I'd rub my eyebrows off. Everything was just so stressful. It's not like just going into uni or going and seeing your friends and just kind of, oh yeah, like just have a normal conversation. I sat there and were constantly thinking like, is my wig like, does it look okay? Does my face look okay? It's just that's all that goes through your mind. How supportive were your kind of friends that you were going through that when you were coming back, easing yourself back into things? I pretty much isolated myself when I first came back. I live in a big house with 11 people, lovely, lovely people, love them all to pieces. But I spent a lot of time in my room. I didn't really want to socialise with them because I was just so miserable and so uncomfortable within myself. I didn't want to go and sit with them and like 
spread that negative energy like I thought I'd mm. just take myself away from it deal with it myself leave them all to like do all the stuff they do I didn't want to yeah. be a part of it do you think like your friend the friends were kind of wanted you to be there all that time and supported you when you wanted to come back yeah so there's so many times they said oh like we're in zone so you might come up and I'd be like oh like maybe in a bit and I, I wouldn't but they was like like they was encouraging like come do this we'll do this and I just mm. So how important have the dance team this year been to you in like kind of fundraising as well as just being quite a big family? The dance team, they've been like family. I love them all so much for the amount of stuff that they've helped me with. Like fundraising, when they said I was going to use Blood Rise as a charity, I was like, and then Brit's done our contemporary dance for Blood Rise. That was making sure that I'm happy anything I've needed they've been there for I can't thank them enough for what they've done mm. yeah. how important are those kind of university fundraisers obviously rugby we do Tash Bash for cancer research and you've done dance done Bloodwise this year so how important do you think those kind of fundraisers are for the uni team to give back as well as actual support and big issues I think it's good because it raises awareness and um, mm. like it's not every day you kind of know somebody so young who's got cancer. So doing big fundraisers like that and where I dance when we said like, because we have a dance member who's had cancer, it makes people like kind of think a bit more like, oh, wow, this is actually like a big cause. It's not just a charity you kind of see and think, oh yeah, like I might donate. It's kind of, it hits you a bit more. Mm. And obviously you mentioned doing the contemporary dances here at the two competitions or for Bloodwise the, with the t-shirts how emotional was that for you to get back dancing and then dancing well, for I've that so to not I couldn't dance at all last year like I could barely get off the sofa and then when I came back to uni getting back into it the amount of times I walked out crying because I was like I just can't like I can't even balance on one leg but then when we went to Cardiff I remember halfway like all the girls were crying the whole way through the dance and come the end I was like proper blubbing the photographer got like the most ugliest picture of me crying my eyes out it was terrible and then at the Lincoln comp we won second place of it and it was like I was just over the moon yeah so next year you mentioned you're obviously club captain for dance so what are your kind of aims for the club for next year obviously they difficultly know what's going to happen when we go back after corona and what are your aims I want to give back, like, that's why I wanted to be club captain. I remember in the first year, I thought, oh, I wouldn't mind being club captain, but, like, I wouldn't be too fussed if I wasn't. And then after this year, I was, like, like I just love the dance team. Dance team is, like, the biggest part of my university experience. I just wanted to be able to give back what they've given to me. Um, we're sticking with, uh, like, cancer fun, uh, fundraiser, so we're doing Teenage Cancer Trust this year. Um hoping to just have like a really good year, lead on from Alicia because she's done such a fab job this year and hopefully I'll hold her in competition as well. Yeah, so how difficult is it going to be planning for those kind of competitions when you don't actually know when they might be, when you're going to be able to start training and practicing for them again? At the minute it's all just kind of provisional, like we've got places, we've got a venue that we've looked into and we've got dates, we've messaged like loads of unis, we've had quite a lot of interest which is quite good. Um, I think the thing we're going to struggle with is maybe sponsorship because you know there's vibes which is a club and then obviously clubs aren't open yet they don't know when they're going to open so we don't know how well that would go but we're just going to do the best we're going to have a committee meeting at some point to discuss like auditions and how we can run classes make go see how it goes really
yeah, I think that sponsorship is something that a lot of teams are going to be struggling with at the moment. I know we are still looking for sponsorships. Yeah. And then I think it's going to be a difficult one for everyone. Obviously, you mentioned COVID and coming back from obviously being at a high risk, you've been shielding, haven't you? A little bit recently. Yeah. So how is that, how difficult has that been for you having to be stuck inside completely? Oh my God. The, I've been so grumpy. I feel so bad for my mum. As soon as that letter comes through, that was like, you need to stay inside. The letter, the list of things it says, it's like, use a separate bathroom, your separate cutlery, don't eat with your family, um, social distance from people in your house. So pretty much just stay in, stay in your room. And initially it was, if you want fresh air, open a window. So I, went, I wasn't like not even supposed to sit in the garden kind of thing. Luckily I've got like a big field behind my house. So my nurse said like, I'm sure it'd be fine for you to sit in the garden. But being stuck in again, after having so much planned for this year, after not being able to do anything last year, mm. it was like, oh, again? <laughs> Yeah, it's been very, very hard. <laughs> um, so how much, obviously you've had two big challenges in the last few years, obviously getting diagnosed and then having to deal with this after you've kind of got better. So how tough has that been on your mental health to have two big setbacks when you're a teenager growing up, going through life, wanting to kind of be free and do what you want? Um, it's been really hard. I don't, I, I'm very vocal about it, but at the same time, I don't really like talking about it. I like to show people, like the whole point of me being open about my journey was to show people you can still be happy no matter what's going on in, in your life. I've done a couple like negative posts saying like Instagram, you only see what people want you to see. Like I'm not happy all the time. I have so many people message like, how do you do it? Like you're like like flying for it and I'm like I'm not <laughs> like I'm just showing you that you can be happy but it's like definitely okay to struggle and it has been a huge struggle um mm. like I'm on antidepressants now that's not some I've been on them since um like November coming back to uni I was I didn't I told about three people in my house because I didn't want it to be a big thing and now I'm like well people should know kind of thing because it's okay to speak to people about what you're going through and what you do so you mentioned yourself. instagram and obviously you're quite vocal about how you feel and yeah. being i was just looking at one of your posts now with caption instagram versus reality so how important is it to be open about obviously wanting to feel positive in yourself but actually not feeling that inside um i don't really know it's just like Social media, I think, can be a very like negative kind of place because you see all this stuff of people living like really good lives, looking good all the time, when it's not actually like that. Like that was the whole um, point of the post. Like, obviously, I've got like my makeup done and my wig on in one, and then I'm crying with like no wig on in the other, which is pretty much me most like mornings. I've got a lot of friends who haven't posted anything on Instagram about their um like cancer diagnosis and stuff which is also like completely fine like people can do what they want how they want deal with things in different ways this has just been my way of dealing with it mm. do you ever worry about what you say on social media in case it offends people i do i know when i first got diagnosed i was so jokey about it i my like i still do have quite a dark sense of humor about it and i make so many jokes that some of my friends are like like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you've just said that. I'm <laughs> like, mm. like, you can laugh, I'm laughing about it. Um, but then I think some people you've got to be wary about because obviously people have family who have cancer and they might not see 
like the joke in it and they could, like could upset them whereas with me yeah. I just laugh about it because if I don't laugh then you cry <laughs> yeah so do you feel that it's kind of a coping me- mechanism to kind of joke about things like that yeah definitely mm. obviously how do you ever feel like obviously you get you said mention you get messages from people saying oh you're an inspiration does it do you ever feel like you are an inspiration to people um sometimes I do sometimes I'm like oh like that feels so good that I've managed to help someone and I've got we've got like a lymphomies group chat where like we're all going to meet up and it's been lush meeting all those people like I wouldn't have met those people if it wasn't Mm. for this but um sometimes I'm just like oh like really (laughs) like I'm not like it's And it's just like you've got to do what you've got to do. Like life throws so much stuff at you, and I've just like pretty much gone through it. Like that's all. Like people mm. go through so much worse. People are like terminally ill, and like my heart breaks for them. Like I, mine was only six months of chemo, and then I'm done. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. So how did it feel? Kind of sort of going back a little bit. How did it feel to after that six months of chemo to find out that you are cancer free at that stage? Yeah, I wasn't, I didn't actually feel that happy. I don't know why. Mm. I'm so miserable. And the thing is with lymphoma, so at the moment I'm NED, which is no evidence detected. Um, there's a five-month, five-year um, basically wait to be officially called cancer-free. Mm. Because although there's nothing shows up on the scans, it can still be in you. And if you, after five years, if you haven't relapsed, like it hasn't come back, then, then you're like called cancer-free because they don't think it will come back. So I think it was when they said, like, oh, like, you're fine. I was thinking, yeah, but am I? <laughs> like, this could happen again at any point. Mm. I wasn't, like, over the moon. Like, I got over it, obviously, but I wasn't initially, like, woo. I was just like, yeah. like okay, thanks. <laughs> you mentioned that five years. So is there a danger that you struggle to feel like you can fully live your life on you while you're waiting for that? Or is that something you don't really feel? Yeah, definitely. Two of my friends in the lymphoma chat, one of them's had to start chemotherapy again today because um, her, her, she was called refractory, which basically means that they don't think it ever went. Um, mm. And another one's had a, like two biopsies because they think it's come back. And it's just kind of like a reminder, like this could happen to me at any time. Like I'm making all these plans. Like I want to go traveling after uni. But then I'm thinking like, might not even be able to go, might be back, might have to be doing it all again. Like I get excited about my hair growing back and I'm like, but then it could fall out again. So you've got to take everything with a pinch of salt, really. Hmm. How important are those friends you've made who have gone through the same experiences? They're very important. We They've had like so many Zoom calls. I'm always asleep when they do it because they do it so late at night. And I'm like, no, it's my bedtime. But it's nice to be able to kind of talk to people who know what you mean because some things to us, are so big whereas some like to another person you'd be like oh really like it's not that big of a deal whereas we know the depth of what we're feeling so it's nice to be able mm. to talk to them about it because they're on like the same page kind of thing you mentioned kind of traveling so what kind of are your aims for the next few years in your life as well as in uni um so i've always i've literally had my life planned out like i'm like finish uni here i'll get married this year i'll have kids this year i've always been like that um, and then when I come back to uni, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I want to drop out. Um, but my tutor, like, she talked me into it I've, like, and been fine since. So now, instead of kind of finishing uni, going into my PGC and straight into uni, so after graduation, I'm hoping to do, like, a couple city breaks around Europe and then hopefully 2022 
places like Australia, Fiji, New Zealand, and more mm -hmm. Asia kind of places. So what kind of are your long-term career goals going forward, obviously from uni? I want to be a teacher. Always wanted to be a teacher in the secondary school, like teach dance mm -hmm. and PE kind of thing. So just a few words, obviously you've been through so much. So what kind of would be your, obviously it's hard to give tips because each situation is very different, but what kind of would you say to someone who's going through a difficult time in their life, may, may it be illness, maybe mental illness, what kind of would your advice for people be? It definitely does get better. I um, Like you have your down days, you but you've got to have that kind of like resilience to not give up on yourself like it's so easy to just sit and dwell on all like the bad things that are happening and you just feel like you kind of spiral but you just need to know that like tomorrow is I go into every day thinking like tomorrow's a new day today's not been great but tomorrow can be so much better you've just got to mm. like go with it keep at it mm. it kind of the work the hardest times during your diagnosis during your treatment did you ever feel like it wouldn't get better or did you, did you ever feel like I I can't do this yeah a lot of times I met like I was when I finished I was so like I can't I wasn't even planning anything for the future because I was thinking I'm definitely not going to have one like I don't really want one um and I, I kept notes on my phone because I'm doing my dissertation on it I'm just going to call it like sport identity illness and me um, but I can add because my tutor said if you add like keep those notes and you can add them in and I've got so many I read through them like the other week and I was like oh my god I was so depressed <laughs> like they're so deep and it's crazy to think how sad I actually was but yeah, yeah. thank you for that I think this has been a very different episode to what we've normally had so hopefully all the listeners enjoy it so thanks a lot for joining us Alex and yeah. everyone else yeah, and everyone else, we'll be back. Well, me and Charlie will be back next week. Hopefully he doesn't leave me to present on my own this week, again next week. So hopefully he'll be back next week. And everyone, thanks a lot for listening. Cheers. Goodbye. <laughs> we are the pride of our union.